Welcome to the Life Success and Legacy Podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, we want to welcome back all of our listeners to the Life Success Legacy Podcast. Um, my name is Chris Bay, and I'm joined by the founder of Life Success and Legacy and mentee of Nelson Nash, uh, Michael K. Everett. Mike Everett, how are you this morning? Good morning. Good morning. Doing fabulous. Hey, I think our listeners would probably like to hear an update as you have been recovering from the shoulder surgery with the goal of being able to play golf this spring. Can you give us a quick update on uh, that progress? Well, I've gone out and played three or four rounds. Uh, my emotional stability is probably at a seven out of 10. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I love golf and uh, I, I am not... I'm not in full range of motion yet, but I'm looking into options that would heal this thing. It's really just a matter of getting this left side to where it's it's got a little bit more stretch to it. Okay. It's healed. It's ready to go. I just need to strengthen all the muscles and everything. So we're we're getting there. It's a it it's what they call old guy recovery. <laughs> it doesn't old happen the same. At, yeah, it doesn't happen the same at 66 as it did at 40. Well, that swing may not be back to 100%, but when, when you put on those polka dot knickers out on the course, man, you look good. Look good, taste great, less <laughs> filling. <laughs> All right. Well, um, topics we are into right now in our podcast series is questions that come up in boot camps, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And a very common question. This is because we live in a world of financial information sometimes yep. nelson would call it noise and yep. there's a lot of risk involved we think back through different crises meltdowns etc housing uh, markets all these things that are unpredictable and so people come at these at these boot camps with questions and skepticism like okay how can this fall apart what is the risk all those kinds of things so one of the questions that we want to address today as the umbrella is how can my IBC strategy, my plan get messed up? Okay. Mm. We'll dive into a couple different things. We'll talk about how policies can be designed to help um, mitigate some of that stress. We can talk about some policy designs where it increases that stress because there's less flexibility, right? Yeah. So just to start with, let's, let's, um, let's give an example of how a a plan, an IBC plan, what are those variables or those actions that could mess up a, an IBC strategy? You may even have so, some personal experience with that. I, I do. But, you know, before we even broach that subject, I, I want our listeners to understand that when we at Life Success and Legacy design a policy, we design it to get better every year regardless of what's going on in the market, regardless of, uh, of how they are thinking about it, and even regardless of what the insurance company is doing. So we, we've designed the policy to get better. Um, you were talking about the meltdowns in the market. Well, we're in one of those right now. Yeah. The market is, is on a... It's in a crash mode right now, and it's not getting any better, even though we have a lot of 
noise out there that says it's getting better. But um, tell me your question again, because I, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I've got like 18,000 things going on in this brain. So, so one, the, you were just highlighting the fact that when we design policies for IBC purposes, which that's all we do, yeah. You're designing those for the long haul where someone yep. doesn't have to worry. It's going to get better and better. And, and oftentimes in our boot camps, people will say during a crisis like it is now with the market, they're like, <laughs> you know, what feels so great is that we don't have to worry about right. what the market is doing. We feel safe mm. and secure with that. Right. Yep. So, so now what we want to do is we want to unpack what are some examples of things people oftentimes think about or, or um, experience that could cause a strategy to um, struggle or fall apart? Well, one of the, the, the caveats that goes up right alongside that is people always ask, well, what is the risk? Mm -hmm. And we always point to them, you are the risk. And then we have to kind of unpack what we mean by you are the risk. So when we design a policy, we design it for premium deposits. They are the injection of dollars into a system. But then we design the policy to where they can actually take policy loans. So this is very, very basic for everybody who's listening. This is super basic. So we put money in as premium deposits. We take policy loans against the policy. And we go do whatever you want with that policy loan. It does not make any difference. So what is the risk? You are the risk. So what would make this thing take a downturn really quickly? Um, we always tell people, number one, if you don't pay the premium deposits, the growth that you're going to experience over time is not going to happen. The other part of that would be if and when you take policy loans against the policy and you choose to not pay those back mm -hmm. towards the loan you've taken against the policy, it will affect the long-term growth. Mm -hmm. And a combination of those two together Especially it will go early, early in a policy's maturity early. in the capitalization phase. So what I hear you saying is when you're in the early years and you're capitalizing your policy, if you are not injecting new money into the policy, right? A, a huge percentage of our clients actually use loans against their policies, but there's a plan for that because of the loan repayment system. That That's exactly doing. correct. But if you are borrowing money against the policy to pay premiums, you're only doing the base premium, not injecting the PUA in the first That's year, right. And you're taking loans against the policies and not paying back policy loans. Oh boy, it's a fire. That combination, <laughs> that combination can make it very challenging. It will, it will um, challenge the long-term growth of your policy for sure. Ab absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that we, we, really concentrate on for our clients is to have multiple meetings at least during the first one or two years so we can help you maintain the long-term focus of staying on the process mm -hmm. 
and adhering to the principles that Nelson set forth in IBC. And I'm going to just talk about the first three real quick. Think long term, capitalize generously, and don't steal from your system. And those three principles are in place for a reason so we don't experience the same exact uh, stress that we felt prior to doing infinite banking and in uh, utilizing it in our lives. Yeah. So um, there's two things I'm thinking about that I'd like to articulate to our listeners of ways that we mitigate that happening where people, yep. you know, part of it is our education and our design. Yep. Right? And, and then there is the ongoing coaching that goes into it. So um, let's talk about um, the design of why we design policies the way we do in an effort to mitigate, even if somebody, and you might be an example sharing your story, even in a situation where somebody does all the things we just talked about, that would be the worst case scenario. That would be a, a total nightmare of a storm for IBC. It still can work. Well, th this might be a great time to share my, my first two plus years of IBC. So when I, and anybody who's listened to our podcast knows, knows that I'm an overexcited guy. Um, <laughs> I read Nelson's book three times, decided I was going to do this. And then I looked in the checkbook and I realized I had no money. So I thought in order to really get this thing going, I'm going to go down to the bank and I'm going to borrow money because I can get this thing going. And I had a great relationship with my banker. And I went down and I said, hey, Pat, I need to borrow $33,000 because I want to start to, well, I didn't tell him what it was about, but internally I'm going, I need to borrow 33,000 bucks from the bank because I've got something I want to do. And he goes, well, what's it for? And I said, well, I said, you know, I've borrowed a lot of money from the bank. I'll pay you back. I just need a signature note. So I literally borrowed $33,000. I went and bought two policies for my wife. And then I literally was able to realize that as an agent, guess what? I get paid. I get paid commission. So I got commission on my two policies. And then I also had the availability to borrow against the policy. So when everything was all said and done, what do we teach our clients to do? We teach our clients to actually take a policy loan against the policy and go pay down debt. It's it's really that simple. And then go turn those those debt payments back in policy loans. So I was going to be able to pay off literally two cars and i thought well this is awesome well when i got this money in my hand now keep in mind i'm brand new at ibc i'm not just an ibc guy who doesn't really know what he's doing but now i'm a client yeah and you didn't have a coach no 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 we didn't really have any coaches in the early stages of this we were learning in fact yeah. there was only like 30 to 40 of us in the united states that were doing this at the time 2005 2006 so i literally i got this money in my hand i was looking at this money i go we should go on vacation and so what did we do we went on a 10-day vacation as a family and man did we have a great time 
and I got back and of course I jumped right in and remember I'm, I'm doing all of this stuff brand new. I changed jobs after a 18 year career in the property casualty business. And I jumped into doing IBC full time and literally I'm out here teaching IBC, but guess what I'm not doing. I'm not doing what I'm telling my customers to do. So we went through the first 12 months and guess how many policy loan repayments I made zero. Well, came to the second year and I didn't have any money to pay those $33,000 worth of premiums. I borrowed another $33,000 from the bank. There was quite a bit of hesitation from my banker, by the way, <laughs> but I told him I'd be back within two weeks to pay down $20,000 on this now $66,000 that I'd borrowed. I actually told him what I was doing at that point. I thought he was going to come unglued, but that's another thing all in itself. So I literally came back, paid $20,000 down on the, on the loan that I'd taken at the bank. And over the next 12 months, once again, didn't make one policy loan repayment. Now we're talking about in this podcast, what can we do that would make this thing completely go up in flames? What is the risk? How can you screw this thing up? Well, come to find out now I'm doing everything possible to goof this thing up. So I remember having a conversation with Nelson and he literally said to me, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase my story because it can get quite lengthy. I said, Nelson, I've done everything wrong in the first three principles of I've borrowed money to pay premiums. I haven't really thought long-term. I've capitalized this with borrowed money and I have not paid one payment back towards the policy loan. I violated all three principles. Nelson said to me, he said, start making policy loan repayments today. And I looked at him and I said, it can't be that easy. He goes, try it. I literally, the very next month, I made my very first policy loan repayment. It was only $250. But there was a principle in place there that once you can kind of get your brain shifted towards this, realizing that this is your own infinite banking concept system. And, you know, it's we always tell people it's just a holding tank. It's a place where you put dollars. And literally, once I did that, there was something unbelievable that happened inside me. It took me then five years from that point to get to where I paid off. And this will sound like I'm making this up. I paid off $30,000 worth of car loans. I paid off the entire $66,000 at the bank. And I paid off $60,000 worth of credit card debt. Well, when you start paying off that kind of debt, you're shifting money. Remember, we always tell people this is outside debt. This is inside debt. The payments that I was making to outside debt at that particular juncture was about four grand a month. And I wasn't making four grand a month. So I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. But the bottom line is, once I made that shift, all of a sudden my system started to grow. And it started to grow exponentially because the dollars that I was putting in now were more than enough to pay the premiums, which is exactly what we teach our clients. 
if you if you'll put those dollars in then we're going to show you how to get multiple uses of those dollars it's it sounds difficult but it's so simple so i get back to some of the basic principles of ibc we're showing people how to control a system but yet we're building in a gigantic amount of freedom but we're even doing better than that we're giving them flexibility of how those dollars are coming in and out of their hands. So it's it's a journey. It's a learning experience. Okay. Well, but yet it, but yet one more thing. Mm -hmm. We share with people that we are an educational organization. This is not something that you can learn overnight because we have those ruts in our brain and sometimes it's almost impossible to get out of those ruts. Okay, I'm done. And, and that's really the basis of why we do this podcast is the educational piece. I think of our life success legacy, I think of three phases. I think of education, which is our primary place. And sometimes yep. it sometimes it frustrates people when we take them through our process because they just oh. want to get a policy in place. Yep. You know, Let's do it now. Them. But we yep. know from experience that if we don't go through the education process, like yourself, something down the road may come back to bite them, and we don't want that to happen. We want to build their their confidence and confidence. Their competence with yep. their IBC system where they feel really confident with it. So there's the education piece. There is the policy design piece, which we'll come back to in just a second. And then there's the ongoing support, the coaching that yep. we do. Yep. Those three phases are why out of all of the clients that we have supported over the years, I think we have less than five who have actually dropped their policies. I know. Right? I know. It's pretty amazing. And, and that persistency in the life insurance world is unheard of. It but is it's because of. of those three phases that we focus yep. on so much. So so there's the education piece. And you kind of articulated, you know, like imagine if you were your own coach back in the day, the things that oh, you would have coached yourself to do differently. Secondly is the policy design. What I'm struck by is you did like the trifecta of how to mess up an IBC system. Oh, it's unbelievable. You, it was almost like you couldn't have tried harder to mess it up. And yet, do you still have those policies in force? All of them, 100% of them. Okay. So is that, would that have been possible with any kind of design of the, pol of the IBC policy? Because we know there's a range of designs. Yeah, what it would not it, have. What was it about the policy design that allowed you, even in your trifecta of messing it up, it's you were still able to come out of it and, and make that system work? Well, we get back to the book. Um, I, I know all of our listeners know because we're IBC guys, this is all we do. Um, we, we adhere to the principles of this book almost to a T. Um, it is very apparent now, all these years later, that Nelson designed the policies a certain kind of way in order for the policy to have some effectiveness on the front end. But principle number one is thinking long-term. Where are we really gonna need the effectiveness? 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, when this thing should be literally in cruise control. You know, I'm, I'm entering my 17th year in IBC, and I'm going to tell you, 
my policies are humming along, even though I goofed them up for the first two and a half years. And have I done everything perfectly since then? I have not. But yet, because of the freedom and the flexibility that we build, we can show people how to do this. So getting back to the policy design, we design the policies with 40% in the base as close as we can and 60% in the paid up edition rider. There is a reason why we do that, because we want that policy to be able to do exactly what we're educating people about, not just today, but 25 years from now. Mm-hmm. That is truly thinking long term. So we're helping families think through, through education of this is why we do what we do. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we design the policy. Is it possible to design, design it more aggressively for cash value early on? It absolutely is. Yep. What's interesting is in, as people start learning about IBC, they're like, man, I want to have an aggressive policy where I can put 10,000 in and get access to seven, eight, nine thousand $9,000, right? Well, to do that, you've got you've to pull some levers on the design of the policy, which yep. makes it so restrictive that it a does. policy like that would never have worked for you. Nope. In your it would have blown up. It would have blown would. up by year five. And the other thing is, is the way we design the policies is actually it benefits people long-term. What people forget is, if you look beyond the first four to six years, yep. if you actually design a policy with more base in it than the PUA, it's actually going to serve you better long-term. But people have gotten so enamored with this high uh, cash value early on that they want to get so aggressive. Now, that Nelson split the difference, <laughs> right? He did. I, I'm actually going to open up to page here. Hold on. I should know these pages pretty pretty quickly. Page 38 in the book where he goes through the policy, through the insurance industry. You will notice that ordinary life, which really for 210 years, that's the way they design policies. And it's only been in the last 30 to 40 years when Nelson discovered infinite banking, that you could kind of play or re-engineer the policy to do what it does. So if you look at this thing from a long-term standpoint, and keep in mind, the life insurance industry has been in place for 260 years. They used to just plop all of the money into the base. There was a reason why they were doing that, because in the days of old, that's where these people had to put their money. They didn't have 401ks and pension plans and all of that stuff. They had whole life insurance. I mean, you go back to, you know, even even in the early 20s and 30s, the life insurance guy would show up to work on Friday afternoon when you got paid and people would pay him in cash and he'd take the money to the insurance company and go pay their premiums. Um, so... Yeah, this this is really done in a way that can benefit the client, not just today, but in the future years. And this aggressive design. So I love the way Mike Crawford says this, and I'm going to goof this up a little bit. But, you know, if you want something big on the front end, you're going to give up something big on the tail end. There, there are no deals in life insurance. 
none whatsoever. And so we want to make sure that this thing does exactly what we said it will do. And Nelson used to call it a marathon. It's a marathon. You know, if you and I are going to go out and run a marathon, we're not going to go out this afternoon and run a marathon. We've got to get in shape. So that means we have to run a half mile, then we need to run a mile, and then a 5K, and then a 10K. we got to get in shape. That's exactly what IBC is about. It's about getting in shape because everything that we've learned in the financial world, and I say this in our webinars, is based on lies and deception. And what we do is we uncover the lies as quickly as possible so people will understand the deception that we've all bought into in our financial world. So as people go through our three tiers, through the education process, through taking a look at their financials, doing the dream conversations, yep. so we're designing the strategy to accomplish mm -hmm. their goals that they told us they want to accomplish. And then our ongoing coaching to help them um, not mess it up, right? Yeah, and, and, right. And if things happen, somebody gets laid off, they need to replace a car, we're there to support them to think through um, those things. And the design of the policy allows flexibility to even withstand someone who borrows money for premiums, <laughs> doesn't make any policy loan repayments, That's right. borrows money for the second round of premiums, and yet you still have this policy in force, right? Right. It's still a tool that you're utilizing uh, for your own system. Yep. That's good stuff. Um, so... I think we have um, addressed the, the questions like, how can my plan get messed up? Um, and the built-in flexibility based on the design, the education that we focus on, and then the ongoing coaching. Is there anything around this, the, any last uh, comments or anything that you want to say to the listeners about how can it get messed up and the flexibility and the coaching and everything that we... All we right. So I'm going to take an aggressive line here. Okay. How can we mess this up? So let's just say somebody goes through and they 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 were able to inject some dollars to get it started and they borrow the money and they go pay off some debt. And they start to make policy loan repayments. There is a thought process that we paid off all this debt. Now maybe we could go ahead and do this again. And if you come on board with life success and legacy, and we've showed you how to utilize this thing, and then you go out and get into debt, whether it be a car or a pool in your backyard, or I don't care what you're spending your money on, we're probably gonna end up having a little bit more of a, a open conversation about this. It may not be uh, quite as much fun as it was prior to becoming. <laughs> we call we call the pre-client time a dating time. Yeah. Well, once we become a client mentor, um, we're married. <laughs> and for anybody who's married, they know that when you say "I do," things change. <laughs> So we want to help people through the ongoing coaching know that we are really on their side. But yet, if if there's some decisions made to where they've made some unfortunate decisions to get back into debt, the conversation will change just slightly. Yeah. And it'll be it, it'll be a, in a more aggressive mode. But I think of it from a 
a, a sports standpoint. We had coaches growing up, right? And you remember that one coach that did all the hooting and hollering at you? What did we think about them at the time we were in junior high or high school? We didn't like them. Now let's go forward 20 or 30 years. What do you think about that coach today? He yelled at you because he saw some potential in you. He yelled at you because he wanted you to be better at what you do. He yelled at you because he knew that some of the things that he was going to say to you would then spill over into your life personally, not just on the sports field. And so there's a reason why we're going to do some hooting and hollering if, <laughs> if uh, things are going to happen, because we want you to win the game. And a lot of what we've learned in our financial world is not set up to win the game. No, no. Well, great stuff as always, Mike. Um, I love, uh, we've joked about this before, when you tell your story about all the things that you did to tear oh. apart your first policies, it used to drive me crazy. But, but the truth of it is, <laughs> as my wife says, is it, what it does is it demonstrates to people that you don't have to be perfect. Yep. And IBC can work for you. It really so, can. Yeah. So thanks for being that example for the rest of us. You bet. Goofing it up and making it work. <laughs> <laughs> to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Uh, we will continue to go through uh, some of the questions that we get asked uh, during boot camps. Um, one of the things that's helpful to us, if you, if you would, if you give us a thumbs up and download and make comments uh, as you engage with our podcast, we'd appreciate that. If you don't want to do that, that's fine too. We're still going to be here, um, but we appreciate you all joining us. And, and we now have people listening to us, I think, in almost every single state in the United yeah. States. Um, Mike Crawford pulls that up for us every once in a while and says, can you believe people actually want to listen to you guys? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So thanks, uh, listeners. We appreciate the feedback that you give us. And those of you who reach out, I just uh, got to meet a, a gentleman, a farmer from Nebraska, who's been listening to our to our podcast while he's on the tractor, reached out to us and we started a conversation. So yep. thanks for listening. Thanks to all of you who support us and, and, uh, and reach out to us. We'll keep the information coming to you. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. 